Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to episode number two of the HowDoIRepent.org podcast, where we are simply three guys having a conversation that is focused on discipleship and spiritual growth. What are our next steps? And we are joined today by two very special people. Uh, we have one, Rick Partell, a good friend of mine, and another guest, uh, Mr. K. And welcome, gentlemen, and good morning. Hey, good morning. Good morning. So, guys, before we begin, could you give us a 20-second glimpse into your lives, who you are, a little bit about your background, and what makes this journey so important to you? So, Mr. K, let's start with you. I've been a project manager and product developer for years. I'm, you know, I'm just a normal guy. Um, 20 plus years ago, probably 25 years ago, I really dedicated my life to searching for Jesus and understanding the kingdom. In 2021, I mean, in 20, in 2001, I got a revelation that the kingdom was in, in Jerusalem, out of Jerusalem, and that that Jesus was king of the Jews. And that's really what started my journey. Mm. And so that that's what I've been trying to search. That's what I've been trying to look for and just really trying to understand the importance of Jesus as Messiah and and accepting Jesus and what's that mean? Awesome. So so it's taken you on a journey and that's the really important uh dialogue that we want to have is that journey and and how you got to the point that you're at today. Um so Rick, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, a little bit of background, and what makes this journey so important to you. Um, yeah, uh, Rick, I I come from a also a project management background, not necessarily product development, more construction, um, uh, construction and logistical uh, training. Uh, kind of what what makes this important to me is. A couple of years ago, I started to, I've always been in the, in the church a couple of years ago, started to want more and just everywhere I went for answers for more, I kept running into brick walls, questions I had the questions that were more than surface, you know, surface questions, mm. um, you know, things that, things that at face value may seem contradictory in the Bible or something like that. When, when I asked of the authorities in the church, I would just run into brick walls and just the same old answers of you have to take it on faith. Um, and so that's when I started seeking more. That is, that's really good. That's really good. I like that kind of hitting a brick wall. So it's, it's not that I want to make this, this important point, you know, you, you hear us and, and the emphasis on, you know, I'm, I'm just a blue collar worker. I, 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 I'm just a regular guy searching for answers. We're not scholars. We're not theologians, nor do we claim to have all of the answers. We are just three guys who like to ask questions and understand what we are signing up for. Meaning when we accept Jesus Christ, what are we signing up for? When we put our name on that dotted line, what does that mean? And what did Jesus want us to know with his example in his life here on earth? We're not on this journey to advocate for any religion. We are on this journey to advocate for the coming kingdom. So let's get started. Welcome to the HowDoIRepent.org podcast. This podcast is intended to provoke thought, so don't be afraid to ask, to seek, and to knock. Our discussion last week was about what does it mean to accept Jesus as your Savior? How should we proceed from here? 
In addition, we started to dive into repentance a little bit. And I love what Mr. K put on howdoirepent.org, an amazing website dedicated to taking you, the listener and reader, through repentance. Repentance is much more than confessing your sins and getting to heaven. Through repentance, you gain a better understanding of God's kingdom and his ways. The sacrifice of Jesus made it possible for us to repent. But we also have a responsibility to prepare ourselves physically learn his ways, apply what we learn, and continue to make correction. So today, Mr. K, let's use this as our springboard. Let's recap just briefly. Accepting Jesus means what? And what is his role? Yeah, you're accepting. The short answer is you're accepting the covenant of God. You know, the children of Israel said, Exodus 19, 8, Moses came to them. God was getting ready to give them instructions. And the children of Israel said, we will do everything the Lord says. That is the base of what we do when we accept Christ. We are accepting this covenant. But was that not for the just for the Jewish people? What 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 makes it that that we are kind of affiliated with that? Well, when you accept Jesus, you're you're accepting a role in the family of God, which God has established that He is showing us his ways through the jewish people Mm. and it you know god has a process that he has established from the very beginning and in fact when jesus was talking on the road of emmaus to the disciples he you know after his resurrection he told them he said look he said you you need to believe in the prophets and you know what god had established and he and, and it says starting with moses he explained where he was in those scriptures you know when when we start this process of accepting jesus we are coming in and we're saying hey i accept i accept this process that god has put in place and the covenants that he has set in place we walk through walking this out through repentance this process of making continual correction through our life and applying what we learn by seeking the kingdom of god you know like what you were what you were just referring to a minute ago you trust by faith that God's going to continue to work in you and finish what he started. And it's through that process that he gave us. So, so we're not necessarily saying uh, those who are listening, we're we're not saying that, that you must become a Jew. Correct. We're saying if I could look at it, Mr. K and, and Rick, the Jewish people are those who said, yes, God is bringing a kingdom process through a people group. He can teach us through that people group. Is it more, Mr. K, about accepting a kingdom system versus just I'm going to adopt a new religion or new culture? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we are accepting God's domain. We're, we're accepting his kingdom. Kingdom, A, a kingdom, if you, if you think about a kingdom, think about like a country. What is a country defined by? It's defined by borders, by laws. You know, by its principles, and we accept that when we live in that in that in that country as a citizen. And so, when you're accepting Jesus, you're you're accepting citizenship into the kingdom of God. So you, we have to learn His borders, His laws, His decrees, His statutes. I mean, it's all through the Bible. It, it says when you obey these commandments and these statutes, that God will bless you. That 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 is that's a part of living in the kingdom. All right, so so Rick, I, I want to get you on here because I, I love uh, kind of the, the the mindset that you bring to to this group. 
Um, so I want to know, I mean, just you would briefly share about your background. You know, accepting Jesus has meant what to you? And what have you come to discover just, just moving down uh, this, this road of discovery? So accepting Jesus, kind of coming from a, a, an evangelical Christian background or a, a Catholic background, what has that meant to you? Uh, there's been a real, uh, there's a lot of, I don't want to say stigmas, but there's this really ingrained truth coming from the evangelical and Catholic background about the separation from Judaism and Christianity. And one of the, I, I would say the biggest revelation or wake up call was that, um, you know, like Dan said, Jesus was king of the Jews uh, and he was Jewish and the Bible was written by Jews, you know, for everyone. Uh, and so I think that's a, that's something that's glossed over, that was glossed over in my upbringing that, um, uh, that the, the the rules given or the com the commandments given in the Bible still hold true whether you're Jewish or not. Now some apply strictly to Jews and those are called out in the Bible, um, but so I would say that that's definitely one of the bigger revelations since so, I started this journey. So it's a lot more than just saying I want to be a Christian. There there are actually action steps we must take. Yeah, it, there there's definitely you know there's you know not only accepting God's domain and his principles but it's committing you know it's committing your life you know i like saying when you sign up to be a christian you're signing up to be a part of the army of god which the battle is within you so it's the battle of sin when when you say hey i'm in the army of god well you're a soldier fighting sin in yourself and that's that's like committing to following god's commandments he gives us his commandments to show us the difference between sin and eternal life well if not for instruction and correct me if i'm wrong if not for some direction we're left up to our own devices and we start to make things correct that are incorrect we see that in the world today you know rick just made an important point i just want to hit on about you know the jewish people we the all of christianity says we're under the new covenant but the new covenant is written in the old testament and in Jeremiah 31, it says that covenant is made with the children of Israel. So if you want to be a part of that covenant, that's why you are accepting Jesus to become a part of that family. But he also, just like Rick also said, it doesn't mean if, if you're not Jewish, then you're not obligated to follow the same commandments that the Jews are. But there are still basic you know, commandments that we're obligated to just as being a citizen of this United States, I mean, of the world. We, you know, and we talked about this on the last podcast a little bit, but, you know, the point is that you're on a journey, you know, using using the word of God, his guide to work through this process to come to understand how to follow his ways and, and keep his commandments. In First John, it says, when we keep his commandments, we know that we know God. If we don't keep his commandments, then we don't know God. And Jesus said that to know God is eternal life. And we, it comes through this covenant that he made with Israel that we can know him. Right. So let's break this down in, in my mind and in, in anybody who is listening. Say, how does this relate to, to something that I, could, that I could fathom in this world? Well, I would say if you want to become a doctor, an effective doctor, you're going to follow certain regulations. You're going to follow uh, a certain understanding to, to gain the knowledge necessary 
uh, to achieve the goals that you want to achieve. Where, whereas kind of the other side of this coin is it's left up to us or, or pastors or teachers to kind of discern and determine, um, you know, what almighty God is saying that we need to do here on this earth. When, when I hear terms like we're not under law, well, does that mean that we still have the right to go out and stone somebody that, that, that should, you know, deserves it, or do we still have the right uh, to engage in practices that are not conducive to growth in our own lives. I, I just, I, that's one of those contradictions that Rick was saying in the beginning that on one side of the coin, Mr. K, you had mentioned, you know, the, this, this whole new covenant, old covenant. Can we get into that a little bit? Can we go, you know, are we under a new covenant? What does that look like? Because I know that comes up in communication so often. What is new covenant? What is old covenant? Let's, Let's first go through what what was the old covenant, but, you know what I mean, and then just so that there's an under so we can make a distinction there. Yeah, the it, it's important to understand the, this this covenant because I mean this is a really base of everything that we're doing. We're accepting this covenant, and it and it started, you know, we we talked about this last time on the podcast. It started with Adam, but after Adam, you know, Noah. There was a time where God made a covenant with Noah. And then God made a covenant with Abraham. And it says in that that God made that covenant with Abraham because he was obedient. And then after, you know, 400 plus years after Abraham, God makes another covenant with the children of Israel. And then he makes a covenant with Aaron. He makes a covenant with David. So all of these so covenants. There are many covenants, right? I mean, there's yeah. many covenants. Yeah. Yeah, and it says in Galatians 3.15, Paul made a statement, and he says the law, and he, you know, he's referring to the law at Mount Sinai, he said that was introduced 430 years after the covenant made with Abraham, does not, and it, that does not set aside the covenant previously established by God. So each covenant is built on it, on each other. You can't you can't take out another covenant. I mean, here's the deal. If we say the old covenant's done away with, well, then we are totally rejecting Christ as Messiah because he is a promise of that old covenant. And he was actually promised through David, through his line of Solomon, that that God would, you know, fulfill this promise and establish his kingdom forever. So that that covenant those covenants have been established from the beginning. And so back to Leviticus 26, God is is bringing a point here. He says, when you obey my covenant, I will promise to bless you. But then he gives scriptures that say, if you don't do it, these are the consequences. So there, there's a consequence, it, you know, and there's even a scripture in, I think, Leviticus 26, or it, it, God is basically saying, Look, if you're going to be nonchalant with me, I mean, he's like, then I'm going to be nonchalant with you. <laughs> I, it, it, it is so funny. Sometimes we think, um, you know, it, and it's in Leviticus 26 and 23. It says, if you continue to walk against God's wishes, then he will walk against your wishes. So it, it's it's not it's a contingency. We have a part to do and he has a part to do. But even continuing in Leviticus 26 God says, when you repent, then I'll remember the covenant. That, that's why when we accept Jesus, this whole thing is based on us accepting this covenant. And in Jeremiah 31, it says this covenant, the new covenant is that God's like, 
okay, you can't keep the covenant. That that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. It's not that the covenant was was wrong and messed up. It was that we had issues keeping it. And so the new covenant is God saying, I will change your heart so that you can keep my ways. And Jesus is the mediator of that covenant. So for us to accept Jesus, we're accepting him as the way into that covenant. That makes sense. I mean, to, to me, that makes sense. And 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 for those listening, if it, if it got a little bit uh, overwhelming, take a step back, take a breath. And, and consider something, you know, covenants are made all of the time. Covenants are made between man and wife. Covenants are are, are made between uh, two parties. Um, so the importance of a covenant is that, that it's, a, it's a, a binding contract. And there is an importance that, that we need to consider here is that God spoke to his people and said, I want to make a covenant with you. They said, yes, we have the opportunity to come in, not to hijack that covenant, but to take part in it. And now that there is a new covenant, Mr. K, you alluded to it a little bit, the new covenant in my blood is that Messiah, Jesus came and, and is the mediator between us Gentiles and Jews um, to know God at a deeper level, thus granting us access to that covenant. D does that make sense? Yeah. And yeah, that, that, that made sense to me. I guess my big question, I guess my my question is then God originally, God before the New Testament, or you know, even before Mount Sinai made a covenant, and then he made another covenant. And then now that he's made a so the new covenant is from Jesus's time on, but it's not real, it's not a new covenant, it's just another covenant. Is that more the point that you're trying to make? Yeah, the, the new covenant is, it says specifically that God will put his Torah in our heart. And he says, no man will have to know, you know, you won't have to tell your neighbor, hey, do you know the Lord? Because everybody will know him. Many people think, oh, we're, we are already fully in the new covenant. And that's that's really not the case because not everybody knows the Lord. Not The, the whole world is not living according to the Torah. Okay. So sure, this, yeah, sure. And if you were to go yeah. by, by what it says, if we're talking about specifically the word of God, well, then you have to take that into consideration. If the whole world is not knowing Messiah or knowing who Jesus is, then then we can't really say, like you said, that we are living in the fullness of the new covenant. I want to make a point that if you go back, it's really neat that you said they build off of one another. Because if you look at Adam, you look at the lineage you come down to Abraham. He said, I will build my nation through you, right? He made a specific covenant with Abraham that built to engage the nation that came from Abraham. So he was, he was essentially, he was extending that relationship, that marriage, that, that um, uh, gathering his people from Abraham that came from Adam. So, so that just goes to show you one covenant built off of another covenant and then became the covenant for Israel because he had to reform it for people, right? For a people group. Right. So now the covenant is building off of another. And then comes Messiah from the line of David, from, from, from the, uh, the, the Jewish people. And now you have a covenant for us that includes the Gentiles. Right. And, and the, the covenant was made with David, though, for the, the Messiah. So our Messiah that we trust in is a part of the covenant made with David. So come through the line of David, correct? 
Yeah, and and so this this is a this is a great entry right back into the role of Messiah. When you accept when you accept Jesus, you're pledging your allegiance to the king. You're saying, "King, I accept you as the king of Israel. I accept you as the king of this covenant. I accept you as the mediator of this covenant." And so it's important to understand what is the role of the king of the Jews, of the, the Messiah. And this is where there's there's really, you know, there's there's probably there's 10 points that I know of, but I know there's six that most of the Jewish people will refer to. Well, no, nobody comes into a contract without understanding the terms of that contract. Correct. So correct. As we dive in here, folks, as we dive in, understand that there are terms of this contract and the terms as per scripture are not simply Accept me for the forgiveness of your sins and you will go to heaven when you die. There are specific terms that you, the listener and myself, anybody who has accepted this covenant and Jesus as, as Messiah King, that you need to understand this is what I need to understand before I fully engage. And that is what it means to become a disciple. So let's dive in a little bit deeper here, Mr. K and, uh, and Rick at the role of Messiah and what was expected. What are the terms of that agreement? There's a link on how do I repent right at the top that uh, in the, on the homepage that will take you to the roles of Messiah. So I'll just, I'm going to point them out and we can talk about them. Good. Good. Sounds good. The, some key, some key points the rabbis teach about the role is a descendant from the King of David through the line of Solomon who digs deeply into the study of Torah. So that's the first uh, that's the first role. It's it's a king who's going to study the Torah, who digs deep into it, who understands it. Okay. The second one is he must observe the Torah's commandments as prescribed in both the written and oral Torah that was given by Moses. So the oral Torah, I know there's a lot of, you know, there's people have a hard time with this oral Torah. But when when the when the Bible, like the Ten Commandments, you know, commandment number four says to remember the Sabbath. Okay, well, what is the Sabbath? How do you remember that? You know, how does a Jew remember it, keep it? How does a Gentile keep it? Well, that's a part of the oral teaching. And, and you know, if you... The how-to. So, yeah, so you read, it's the elaboration, working through it and, and trying to understand it. That's that's what the, the people did, passing that down generation to generation. So if we were to say oral Torah, oral instruction, they're essentially saying, okay, this is the commandment. This is how you do it. Right. And it's it's just like, you know, when, you know, Jesus, you know, was asked, you know, how do you get how, how do you be saved? Well, he said, keep the commandments. Right. You know, and so the commandments are given, but you still need to understand how do I live them out? And so Jesus gave an example. And this is a great example of an oral teaching that is it has a fence around it. And and so the, the idea is Jesus said, hey, the, the law says don't commit adultery. OK, well, that's what the Torah says. Well, how do you how do you apply that? And Jesus said, don't even think about a woman. <laughs> so, I mean, he's given us a practical way to to apply that. So now so essentially, Jesus was basically bringing up oral instruction. I mean, he was he was for those who say, well, there's there's there, that's an addition to the Bible. There's no reason to have it. Our, our Messiah, Jesus, the king was actually saying, no. This is what the oral tradition says, and this is what I want you to apply. Right. And and so out of the oral tradition came understanding. And so the understanding of the resurrection was an oral passed down tradition. 
And then Ezekiel actually, he, he made a quote referring to the resurrection. But that was one of the controversies amongst the Sadducees and Pharisees. You know, was there a resurrection? Well, Jesus came and proved it. Right. God raised him from the dead. And every Christian believes that. Well, if I were to say I don't trust the oral tradition, then I'm saying I don't accept the re resurrection. Because there's there's not a commandment in the Bible that says you must be resurrected. It's an it's an understanding from the oral tradition that was passed down. Okay. Okay. Let's yeah, let's let's keep going. We have two down. Okay. So so next we got he he leads, he must lead Israel to walk in the ways of the Torah and repair its breaches. So he's gonna lead Israel in keeping the Torah. Number four is the Messiah will fight the wars of the Lord. It's referred to in Isaiah 19 that he's going to come uh, on the clouds. He's going to he's going to fight a battle there. It's going to be in Egypt. He's also in Zechariah 14. It explains that he's going to come and all the holy ones with him. Um, this is a point where the whole world comes against Israel, and you know, and he's going to fight that battle. There's some other battles, but those are two key ones. Uh, number five, he is a part of building the temple of God. In, in Ezekiel 44, it refers to a third temple. I know there's a lot of controversy on this. Where is the third temple? You know, it, do, it doesn't really matter. God's going to bring this place where God can dwell. In the New Testament, it refers to us as the temple. So some people could say, hey, he's building the temple through people. Um, but there's plenty of evidence, except especially in Ezekiel 44, because it talks about the Levitical priesthood being in place and it says that they can't marry divorced people so i mean it's talking about a time it may be a little difficult to understand but that's one of the key roles that he's going to bring back this place where god dwells and then the messiah will bring the children of israel out of exile and he'll return them to the land of israel okay so so we have this is the role of messiah so rick you know hearing all of this is somebody who, who you said you kind of are are working through this, you're engaging, you're at the at the initial stages kind of uh deciphering and, and waiting, working it out, the Bible says, with fear and trembling. What say you? You you know, with all of this, what does this mean to you and why do you care? Okay, so to touch on let me go back to it's and and maybe I'm wrong on the way it sounded, uh, Mr. K. Uh a lot of the roles of the Messiah you just said sounds like roles that haven't been fulfilled yet. Is that is that a fair the the, the coming down? Yeah. Or, yeah. Okay. So what is I guess my big question, what is the role of Messiah in my life today? Like that's my that's my I cause because so to I learned so not to get too much into not to get too much off on a tangent, but it was a real I guess uh, in my own praying and, and reading of the word and talking with Mike here, it, you know, uh, there was this revelation that hit me. Am I saved? Because I grew up in the Christian church where I've been baptized a couple of times. You know, I, I went to Catholic school growing up, so I had first communion and confirmation and did, you know, so I thought my bases were covered. But I wasn't necessarily living my life according to for the for the furtherment of you know God's kingdom. That's for sure. And you know, there's say, um, uh, faith without works is dead. And so uh, you know, and that's I, I, so my my point being is, what is the Messiah's role in my life today? Since the only way to God is through Him, um, 
what you know how do i continue how do i daily honor him and what was his what was his main purpose for me today you know jesus said that you you got to have faith like a child you know if if you don't have you you got to start with something mm-hmm. so by you accepting that there is a messiah that you accept that look there's a god he he has a kingdom and he has a king and i'm accepting that just at that simple level you are entering into that kingdom and you know it's well documented jesus fulfilled many prophecies throughout the bible i think i i saw one place where he said there was over 300 you know so and you know so there there's multiple things in the bible that you know jesus has already fulfilled so he has already taken this place he started this process God is a, and this is one thing Mike and I've talked about for years. God's a God of process. He has a way. He does things naturally. A lot of times we look for this miracle and, you know, but he's just using a natural process through life. So he has his process that he's doing. And he started with Adam. He went through these, the, through Abraham, through the prophets, you know, and get, gave us his instructions. And then he sends the Messiah to start this work of this final redemption. And that's what John 3.16 is saying. Everybody who believes in him can be saved. And the 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 part is, so a, a lot of times we just ask, hey, I just want to get to heaven. And I mean, this is another good thing we talked about last week on the podcast. It was, why am I accepting Jesus? Is it just to get to heaven? Well, if that's the case, then I'm doing it for a selfish reason, which ultimately that's what we want to do. We want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. But the point is when I'm accepting this, I'm taking on a role of understanding God and understanding his process, understanding his son. And And the Bible says though, Mr. K, those who endure until the end will be saved. Right. So that, that whole mindset of I'm saved, I no longer am under the law. I, I don't, well, I would then ask, you're still dealing with sin. You're still dealing with struggle. You're still, so what exactly are you saved from? Right. Because, you know, that's that's that kind of uh, mindset of I'm, I'm saved. I'm once saved. I'm always saved. Well, you know, you can you can I've seen many and I've worked with so many people that have taken those steps initially, but then moved away from God, moved away from Jesus altogether and now declare that there is no God. So, yeah. you know, there is there is an endurance that needs to happen. There is a working it out, like Rick said, with uh, uh, working it out. Faith without works is dead. You know, there has to be action coupled with, and that's where we're back to. And and, and I love the point that Rick brought up is as we start to to land this plane um, that that he said, how does this apply to my life? What am I supposed to do, right? I've accepted Jesus. I understand now that he is the king, that we must come under that authority. But daily, what must I do to be saved. And, and that question arose um, to Jesus, right? From the rich man, actually multiple people. What must I do to be saved? Yeah. You, you keep his commandments. It's it's the repentance process. It there, It's not all or nothing. And I think that's where most people take it. They say, well, if I'm not this perfect person, then I'm no good. And, you know, and as Jesus talked about the parable, the sower, I mean, there was seed that went out and there was different levels of a disciple, some who took it and then it just immediately went away. Some who had thorns, you know, there's a process to this. But our job, that's why repentance is really the key, because if we if we want. Listen, here's a here's a, a 
main principle in my life is looking at uh, Matthew 5 and reading through there. And Jesus said, those who keep the commandments and teach others will be great in the kingdom of God. And those who don't will be least, you know, and so there's a there's a there's a position that we're taking in this kingdom and it, and it turns into an eternal position. So we can go into eternity. And in Hebrews 11, it actually says they were keeping faith for a better resurrection. So you can you can say, oh, I just want to be saved. And so if you just want to accept Jesus and say, I'm going to be saved, and somehow you endure through this whole life, and at the end of your life, you come to this point, hey, I accept Jesus, and I'm good with that, and that's what I am, and I'm doing my best, you know, and I accept God in his ways, and whatever, that may be all you come to, or you are somebody who, like, work through it, toil through it, you know, learn it, understand it, and you start applying things in your life. And then that's, what happens is you become greater and understand God at a greater level. And that's that's what I believe, Mr. K and, and Rick, what it means to be a disciple. When he said, teach them to obey all that I've commanded you, right? And lo, I'll be with you until the very end of the age, Matthew 28, 19 through 20, is is that you start to bring up a good point. We We like to say, go into the world, but it does not say make converts. It says make disciples. And there are there are ways that he made disciples, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And then if you look at those who come to him on that day and say, you know, when he is king, sitting in 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 on his throne, but Lord, I, I've done all these things in your name. I've I've been a good person. I've I've done these things. And he says, depart from me. The 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 end of that, the tail of that is forgotten, where it says, you who practice lawlessness. And, and I think that's a great point. And, and I want to close with this. You know, I, I hear the word grace thrown around a lot. I hear the word, uh, you know, we are under grace. We're not under the law. We are under grace. W what I would submit is, listener, understand that grace may be not what you think. Grace is not the opportunity to go on sinning, even though we have breath in our lungs. It's grace is we have another day to learn and grow closer to God, to become the bride that he wants us to be and to get it right. That's to me is what that grace, how I apply it to my life, how I learn, how I grow. So I, I want to give some uh, some time to to Rick and Mr. K and some closing thoughts. Um, uh, uh, I just want to touch on that grace. One way that that uh, that was explained to me, the save through grace uh, that made sense is... Uh, grace is getting something you don't deserve as opposed to mercy is not getting something that you do deserve. Um, our God is a merciful God. The wages of sin is death. So the mercy is we're not struck dead the moment we sin. The grace is we get another day to get it right. Along with grace, we get the grace to know God. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, that it really is going to come down to when you're in eternity, it, you know, the, you asked a question earlier, Rick, about, you know, about being saved. You know, it's really people have this mindset. Oh, I just want to be saved and get to heaven. Well, what else is there? And that's really the question I think we all come to ask. Mm -hmm. And it comes to this point that I just don't want to get to heaven. I want to I want to fulfill the position God has for me in heaven. And and that's that's a hard thing to think about that. I have a position in eternity. And, you know, through the process here of seeking him. And as we keep his commandments, he gives us more understanding. As we work through this process of obedience, he gives us more understanding of him. 
And that is really what salvation is about. It's about continual growth. And it's through the process of understanding God. And that's why Jesus said eternal life is to know God. It, that, that's the key. And so when we are done here, we don't want to be on the other side and say, oh, I don't know God that well. That would be embarrassing. And that's what I there's no way that I want to go to eternity and be like, hey, there was much more that I could have done. And right. I could have known God at such a greater level. Right. Right. That That is a really good point, guys. We we, we've struck on some things and, and to you who uh, who is listening, I want you to understand that there is so much more behind every single line that was said. And you you need to go in and you need to ask, you need to seek and you need to knock. Those were some instructions that Jesus gave to us. You know, those who ask, you know, will be given, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be open. So as you as you continue on this journey, as you continue to seek truth, you know, the, the word wasn't said, I've come to abolish those instructions. I've come uh, I've come to fulfill them. And we talked about that last week as well is is, you know, now we have the opportunity, my friends, we have the opportunity to grow. We have the opportunity to learn. He did not say, I've done it all. You don't need to do anything. You just need to love people. You need to be able to love people while you are working through repentance and you are on this journey. You need to know how to do things in a, in a spirit of love and understanding. So I would encourage you, the, the Bible says, not just to be hearers of the words in James 1.22, but to be doers. You need to be doers. What are you supposed to do? There are specific instructions. There are specific way to do it that God ordained. And I, for one, and I know these two gentlemen will not stand in the way and say, no, this is my interpretation. This is I, how I am going to live because I do not want to hear those words said to me. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. And that does not come from my own thought of what I should be doing on this earth. It comes from God. So gentlemen, thank you so much. I think, uh, I think we've hit uh, some, some key topics today. I'm excited for next week. We're going to keep this conversation going. Mr. K and, uh, and Rick, thank you so much for, for being on today. You know what, guys? Go out there, take the time, meditate on the word, work it out, think about it, and, uh, and we'll see you back here next time.